1: Thank you, sponsors. Thank you. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Welcome.
0: This uh, week's guest is a former pro bodyboarder, which is incredible. And he's a three-time PSA uh, champion, which is, uh, what, 1987, 88, 89? Holy smokes. Three-peak? Back-to-back-to-back-to-back? That's it. And the one and only Mike Lambrezy. Hey, wait. I love it. Mike
1: Slambrezy, you mean?
0: Slambrezy. yeah. <laughs> hey, got we got we got yep. a lot of good PT uh, terminology. Hey, welcome.
1: Welcome to the show, Mike.
0: Thanks, guys. It's great to be here with you. Wow. So we got a lot of uh, a lot of you got a lot of history on under your belt with you know where you grew up, having a major tour event in your hometown. Being a proddy boarder to a pro server, we're gonna get in all that. But you know. So let's start is, at
1: the beginning. Uh, what yeah what got you in the ocean?
0: Oh my gosh. Well, lived
2: in the uh, North County San Diego area my whole life. So growing up in uh, Vista Oceanside, now in Carlsbad. But I think my my parents had me in the water probably from a baby. I was on a raft and on on boards. From the time I can remember, really, I don't remember ever not being in the water.
1: Nice. Oceanside,
2: just from day one.
1: What, was Parents your surf? dad, yeah, dad surfer?
2: No, no, my dad was a uh, military from New York and uh, my mom was from uh, Oregon. They just met here and this is where the roots they planted and that's, uh, so we're all, that's where my family's from and, or my siblings yeah. and I, and of course all my kids and stuff are born and raised here as well.
1: Nice. So, when was it when you first picked up, what, your first thing was bodyboarding then, right?
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you know, you, you you grab anything you can in the beginning. We have the blue and yellow rafts. I think you guys might have seen pictures of those.
1: Yeah, yeah. The
2: foam boards, which eventually they had like some kind of woven fabric around them, and you ride those till it broke. And uh, then in 76, I remember getting uh, my first boogie board. Uh, Tom Mori had invented the board right here in Carlsbad, nice. so I was clo- close to where it all happened, and uh, started writing that, borrowing surfboards. And uh, within a year, I had a surfboard, and I didn't have to borrow the board. I just spent as much time as I could in the from an early age.
1: Nice. So, what were you like seven, eight years old when you started bodyboarding, or a little younger?
2: No, they weren't. You know, they weren't. They weren't around yet. Okay. I was probably let's see. Uh, I was probably about 11. Okay, 10, 11, when the bodyboard was invented, I, I'm 56. Okay, uh, so yeah, uh, up until then, it was all rafts and styrofoam.
1: Crazy. And then Six you said you started morning. surfing too.
2: Oh, yeah, you know, you just grab somebody's board, ride it, give it back, grab somebody else's till I finally got my own. Yeah, uh, so I was boogie boarding and body and uh and surfing. At the same time, from probably about 11 or 12, I would compete in the bodyboard contest while I was while I was still kind of getting my craft, surfing
0: under my belt. Yeah. What was uh, the events that, that did boogie boarding? Was it like NSSA, WSAs? Did they have divisions for that, or was it just other local events?
2: No. Uh, uh, Patty Serrano, who worked for Tom Mori, basically started uh, the Sunkist Tour up and down the coast of California, and that was just... A way to demonstrate the boards, get yeah. them out there. Then they had uh, they started uh, a bodyboarding division. You know, there was one A, two A, triple A.
0: Yeah,
2: and it was the pioneers back then. I mean, it was guys. Uh, Probably you've never heard of, you know, Bobby Zane, Joey Gibbs, Tony Prince, uh, Scott here, just a bunch of guys, the early guys who were, who were part of that movement.
1: It's kind of crazy how, uh, Maury Boogie partnered up with Sunkist and had those commercials on TV, right? Get your body on a boogie.
2: They sure did. Yeah. And uh, eventually they took it to the East coast and did the same thing. And, uh, Patty was basically the godmother of bodyboarding. She took it to the masses, got it out there, showed people what, what it was. And then we would go, some of us young writers and demonstrate them and then yeah. give, lessons. and, uh,
0: yeah, that was all up until I was about 15. We were doing that off and on every summer. So what was s- like, what was like the maneuver? like bodyboarding? I mean, today, I mean, guys are just like in surfing, they're doing the most insane maneuvers up over the wave in the barrel, you know, you name it. What, were, what was like the moves you guys were doing back then? Was it like starting off three sixties? And yeah, we were, you know, we were doing three sixties, bottom turn off, the top cut back. I remember uh,
2: the, one of the first events at T Street. I was about thirteen, and uh, I think I might have got credit for doing the first barrel roll in a, uh, in a <laughs> couple, on a potty board.
1: That's amazing. And, uh,
2: so you know that, and then the the spinner three sixties, where you kind of get off of them and spin it around. Your body's in the water, almost like a, uh, a body surfer. Yeah. And then we went to knee, you know, knees, one leg, one knee. And yeah. the sky was the limit, you know, it was whatever we could do. But then, of course, surfing influenced, bottom turn, off the top, cut back barrel rides.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So was Moray Boogie your first sponsor? Absolutely. Nice.
2: Yep. Moray Boogie was the first sponsor. And when I was 15, they had the first pro event ever. It was at Huntington Pier. And I remember walking away with five hundred dollars from first place, and what? Yep, yeah, bought a moped and was able to get my, myself to the beach every day from then on uh, with my surfboard. Sick!
1: What kind of what kind of moped do you sick. remember?
2: Oh my gosh, no! Uh, was that, that Peugeot
1: or Pooks? Or...
2: Oh, back then it was just called a moped. Yeah, that, that <laughs> generic moped. It could have been was a five hundred. Uh, and
0: that was perfect. I was set.
1: So you turned pro at around 15 years old for bodyboarding?
0: On the bodyboard, yeah. yeah. I, Is that to collect the, the, the prize winnings or just because uh, your sponsors were giving you money or both? You know, it was
2: – it wasn't even a thought. You know, they had, yeah. a contest, they had all the, the AAA division or the best guys went into the pro division. They gave out money and we took it. There was really no thought. <laughs> um, Scored. Yeah, What. I, all
0: I knew is uh, I had 500 bucks and I was a happy camper. Did they have uh, any cool trophies up for, from that event, or any other ones that you, you you kept? You know what I I did
2: keep. I got rid of most of the trophies from the early years. Um, the big surfing ones I kept, but they're all at uh, Gary Linden's factory. Sick. He has a you know like a display area there. The only I have a couple around here that were from the world tour that meant a lot to me that I kept, but. Uh, the Bud Tour events, the Pro Tour events, stuff like that are all at his place what, as well.
1: How long did you compete as a bodyboarder?
2: You know, um, I was already surfing full time and only competing on the weekends on a bodyboard. I wasn't even riding it anymore. Probably, I would do contests off and on. I actually did one on the, when I was on the Bud Tour in the Pro Division. I did one in Hawaii at Pipeline. Um, but I was already surfing. I mean, I was a pro surfer, and all that was just for fun, just to say. Oh wow! Hey.
1: Okay, because I was going to ask, like, who was your stiff competition in bodyboarding? Was it Jack oh my- the Ripper? <laughs> <laughs> you know,
2: he, I, we just we saw him at Pipeline and thought he was crazy. Met him a couple times. He would come stay with Patty, and um, but he wasn't in our contest over here. By okay. the time I did the one event in Hawaii. Um, I think it, it was all the kind of the Ben Seversons, Caldwell and all those guys. Yeah.
1: And uh, Mike Stewart was uh, later on then, right?
2: Yeah. Well, uh, he, he Well, it was kind of around that time yeah. because the was already around and he was winning the, the bodyboard side of the uh, the sport the same years as I was winning the surfing side. Okay. Um, but he was, yeah, he was dominating like no other.
1: So what boards were you riding? Who, do you remember your first surfboard?
2: Yeah, my first surfboard was bought from Offshore Surf Shop in Carlsbad. Okay. It was used, it was a um, kind of a, I think it was like 6'6". It was a pintail single fin. Oof, yes. I was told that it was made more for something like Hawaii, but (laughs) that's not true.
0: This is going to work killer out at Oceanside. Yeah, great,
2: (laughs) yes. Put that until the wheels fell off and then just... uh, uh, started getting more and more boards from around here until I hooked up with Gary Linden at 15, and he made all my boards for the next 10
1: years. Wow! So Curry. who were you? Who were you? Uh, who were the standouts when you were a grom? That's Sp- Sur- uh, yeah.
2: Well, surfing. I mean, uh, Curran and I are the same age, so we were hearing about Curran. But I grew up idolizing um, Mark Richards, Sean Thompson, Rabbit, Ch- yeah. yep. Simon Anderson, those guys, Michael Ho they were all over plastered all over my wall yeah so they probably by about if am 56 they're in their 60s yeah so those were all the guys they yeah. were it and um i just dreamt of uh being like them and being able to surf the waves they do and yeah that
0: was they were the ones they still are yeah, yeah. legends for sure did yep. you did you guys have like Surf class at school or anything, or just like a, a surf shop you hung out with? How did you had you like? Wh- who was your crew that you hung out with? Well, you know they actually did start surf uh, class in. Uh, they had the two hour
2: every other day PE uh, surf group. It started when I got into high school. Yep. And um, so that was pretty pretty cool. I didn't have to cut school as much anymore,
0: extra <laughs> couple hours in the morning.
2: Exactly. And then Randy, gosh, what was his name? He was doing the NSSA, and the NSSA started getting big. I was doing WSA as well. Um, gosh, you know Todd Martin was a part of the group down here. Bluefoot. Bluefoot. Yep. He, he Chewy. What? Chewy's quite a bit younger. Um, yeah. So there was a there was a whole group of guys down here, and then up of course the Nationals were always up at Huntington Beach every year. Yeah. I didn't do a lot of amateur contests. I did a little bit here and there. And then, uh, uh, you know, so I kind of, I did some of it, but I skipped the main push of the NSSA and all that. It just didn't fit into my life at the time.
1: Did you get grief for being a bodyboarder and a surfer?
0: Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause I mean, at, at that time, I'm sure like, you know, cause bodyboarding was relatively brand new, right? And, and being a surfer, you look at bodyboarders, you're like, dude, beat it.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, they became uh, we we were quite the pest in the water. I mean, we were everywhere. Up uh, <laughs> not like today. I mean, heck, there's million millions of them everywhere, and there's so many surfers, it's hard to find an on crowded spot. But no kidding, yeah, we always got, we always got kind of cut off or or called names. You know, it's hard to stand. It's hard to respect somebody who can't stand up for themselves. Things like,
0: <laughs> but was there a time when you're doing, you know, both around your, you know, age fifteen, where you're doing the Maury Boogie contest or, you know, sponsorship and contests, and then surfing? Did you have surf sponsors at the same time too? Well, when, uh, <clears throat> yeah, so I got sponsored by Gary
2: Linden at fifteen. Uh, promotion wetsuit was a company down. Oh here. yeah, I. I remember no- your
1: your promotion wetsuits. Yeah, they had they like puffy sleeves, right?
2: Yeah, they did. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> so there's, uh, I did the first Mach 7, Morty Boogie Mach 7 ad at the Wedge. I was in a promotional wetsuit with the puffy sleeves. I think it was like pink, white, and black. And then under the, in the armpit, the gusset area, it was not wetsuit material. It was more of like a windbreaker material. Um, so that was his uh, innovation back then. So those, those were my two main sponsors from the, uh, from the get go.
1: Nice. Any clothing sponsors down the line there? Uh, it took a little while. I eventually,
2: gosh, I was probably a junior in high school and I hooked up with Stubbies. Oh, wow. I was with Stubbies for about 10 years until they went bankrupt. So
1: Wow, I didn't know that.
2: Yeah, so I was with them forever. They're the ones that actually uh, said, here's a ticket around the world and 500 bucks a month. Go give it a show on the world tour, see what you can do.
1: You're kidding me.
2: Wow. No. Yep. It was right after winning the 82, no, the 83 Stubbies at Trestles. So that was good timing.
1: So when did you turn pro for surfing?
2: Well, the previous year at 82, I surfed the Stubbies. Okay. The Tom Curran won, and it was a bunch of big freight train rights just peeling. He beat David Barr in the final. I, I entered that event, and um, that would have probably been my pro debut just because if I would have won money, I would have taken it. Yeah. Um, I remember winning a man on man Heat, a couple of them, and then losing to David Barr. Um, But I don't think I got my first check. Oh my gosh, if that was 82, probably till 83. I started doing uh, pro ams down this way. I entered the Caton and uh, and then the Stubbies, of course, the following year I won that. And
0: that pretty much set me off on the tour. And those were more like ASP events and not like the Bud Tour or, you know, the PSAA Tour, or were they combined?
2: Well, there was no Bud Tour, um, and they weren't ASP events in the sense that they didn't have points and they didn't go toward the rankings, but the Stubbies, what their concept was back then, was to do, they'd call it the surf trials. California, East Coast, Hawaii, and the winner would not just get a check, but they'd get a ticket to Australia and they'd get all uh, you know they'd pay for everything while you're there, and you would get entered into the uh, main event of the stubbies at Burleigh Head. Wow, so pretty big deal. So yeah. first second, so my myself and Dave Parminer from 1983 got that those two spots and ended up in in Australia uh, surfing that event. And that was
0: kind of the beginning. You know, I just kind of kept going from there. What a great launch. What a great uh, concept to get, yeah. you know, get you overseas to help because sponsorships weren't bringing in, you know, a lot of money to, and, you know, to travel. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of sponsorship.
2: Um, also, those events, you know, there were so few events on the on the West Coast or the East Coast. All the pros would be there. I mean, the the stubbies back then, you would have the brands, the bars, the Chris Barella. Um, you had Alan Sar. I mean, literally everybody. PT yeah. would living here it was a chance for all the pros to get together and show their show their stuff and get ready to go to the next stop on the tour so um it was a pretty big deal yeah it was a big event
1: stubbies ran for like what how many years do you think like four or five years
2: yeah so in 81 i think their first event was at blacks i think richard kenvin might have won oh, wow um 82 was Curran, myself then they had I think they switched after that and it became a ASP event. Okay. That's when they put it to North Jetty Oceanside and then uh, yeah. then to the pier and then it became the Life's a Beach event. But yeah, that, that was probably about a five or six year run for them.
1: What's crazy is, you know, Stubby's Australian brand, but like they, they tried to make it or, you know, make a name for themselves over here, but I don't really remember them. I don't remember seeing them in very many shops. I guess no. I I, I
2: think they uh, they sold out pretty quickly. Okay. They tried to go to the department stores and all that, and they didn't stay true to the roots. And I don't think they built up a uh, a foundation. And you know, so like anything else, you know, if you're not if you're not in the the core stores, and if the the young kids don't think you're cool, you're going to go away, yeah. and or you're just going to become a big box discount.
0: Well, there was a ton of competition with brands in that mid, mid eighties too. There was, yeah. you know, like, gotcha, I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, Quicksilver started yeah.
2: off or catch it. Yeah. There was a lot of, oh. it was a booming time, uh, for the industry in the eighties.
1: Yeah. Do you remember, uh, what your first photo was, was, was it a, a bodyboarding before surfing
2: photo? Well, I think my first photo was bodyboarding photo, but it was in just like a local magazine, uh, local uh, newspaper. Okay. So, um, but Surfer Magazine, Surfing Magazine, I I don't think I ever got a photo bodyboarding in those. It was surfing.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't remember it. I don't remember when it was, what year it was, though.
1: Do you remember your first surf photo? I don't. (laughs) You know, I would. <laughs>
0: I, uh, you know, Lennon's Linden, still waiting for his first surf <laughs> photo. I don't you think know. it's gonna happen,
1: man.
2: Social media—you can do your own surf photo now. Yeah. <laughs> what a time! What a difference!
1: Yeah. So, Oops. so you won the eighty-three stubbies.
2: Yes, the eighty-three. Pretty sure it was eighty-three. Yep, won that uh, over Dave Parmenter, and uh, it was so classic because. I mean, he owned everything that was going on back then. He really? was the California. I was nobody. I just came out of nowhere. But uh, we ended up staying together in, in Australia, and you it, you couldn't even make this up. The draw had us in the first first heat together. In the no.
1: You went and, all the way to Australia and you, together, and you were in the yep. first heat.
2: Yeah, so the uh. trial—we got to skip the trials. We got seated into the the round of 32 because back then they just had the top 16. There was usually trials that would go to 100, 100, 150 guys would be in them, and the the final 16 would go into the main event. So we were seated into that round, and we drew each other, and it was unbelievable. And he tried—he, you know, did the mind games on me for a couple of days. <laughs> Telling me, you know, how lucky I got it at uh, the, the Stubbies event in uh, trestles, and now there's a buoy, and you won't know what to do. And, you know, Yeah, <laughs> uh, just true, true colors. Jeff, <laughs> yeah, that was that was Dave Parminer, man. He was, he was, uh, he's interesting, smart, uh, articulate. Yeah, you gotta love the guy. What yeah. a great, great surfer he was. So
0: take us so back. Yeah, that first stubby's pro. He's starting in the trials. Like, how many rounds, and who who did you match up against? Do you remember? Like your well, you the know, one here, uh, San Clemente. Gosh, the early rounds. I remember uh, there was some four
2: man heats, and then it would go to man on man. But I remember surfing against a local legend here, Danny Smith. Um. Yeah, I can't remember all the guys. My first man to man heat of my career was against Marty Hoffman. I think a Hoffman fabric.
1: Wow, okay.
2: He was a great, great surfer. And uh, I can't remember the rest of them. I just remember coming up against Barr and losing to him. He schooled me big time. In the final? No, that was early on. Oh, okay. I'm, that was the year before. That's right. The year I won, the quarterfinals was against PT.
1: No way. Wow.
2: Oh, yeah. And it was small, and there was no buoy, and he paddled me up and around the point, which was, they were doing that a lot back then. Yeah. And, you know, you just had to try to get away and get a wave, and somehow I was able to get by him, and I got John Parminer in the semifinals.
1: Oh. bam, bam,
2: bam, 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 and I, that was my first introduction to bam, bam, and he, he would... Uh, no
0: shirt, just flexing on the beach, his veins coming out, trying to
2: suck oh. you out. Yeah. <laughs> paddling and where our arms are hitting while we're paddling, you know, and he's just like growling at me and, he, <laughs> and I'm going, Oh my gosh, I just got to get a wave. And you know, so we did battle. And then I, and then his brother's the opposite, you know, and we did two, but it was best out of three in the final. So it was, a it was, um,
1: Oh my gosh. So you had to surf at least two heats.
2: Yep. Back then it was two out of three for the, the final event or the finals. And, uh, Yes, you know, trying to eliminate the luck factor because you yeah. had to get waves. It's not like now.
1: Who, who was in the final with you? Dave Parminer. Okay. So you had John in the semi and then Dave in the final.
2: Yep. Wow, I that's crazy. Parminer brothers, back to back. Yeah. How were the waves? You know, the first few rounds, it was pretty big and it was a uh, uh, pretty good size. By the final, it was probably two to three feet and inconsistent <laughs> – Lowers. Yeah. But still fun, still rippable. Um you know, but only one other guy out. How can you complain at lowers? Yeah. That not anymore.
1: And you won that one, right? Correct. And how much what, was the prize money? Do you remember Yeah, I was just gonna ask. What's the prize 30, worth? Three thousand?
0: Three thousand bucks plus the ticket
2: to Australia and everything that went with it. So it was a pretty good payday for that that time. Yeah. And that's, that's
1: huge. That that's what led to your sponsorship with Stubbies?
2: Yep, we were already together. I was I was writing for him, but that just solidified the deal. And they're like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna flip the bill for you to go on the tour and see what happens." So yeah, nice. we were together. Good run.
0: Uh, so was, was was Gary was your shaper was he was he on the beach like helping coach Was he giving you any guidance or you know was he involved? Well, at the Stubbies event, he was the head judge. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs>
2: with me and he wasn't scoring um yeah i look back at my surfing you know and how just crazy it was and it's like oh my gosh did they push me through that whole event i don't don't know what happened but (laughs) in between events yeah gary was he was great because he would put together little team events and and we would work out around town and uh, uh we had quite the team back then i mean there was a lot of top guys, Gerlach, myself, Todd Holland. Oh, Chewy, that's right. Holland, uh, Smith. I mean, he had the heck of a team. He was really, really big time.
1: Yeah, for a long time. He, he had some really good team riders, for yeah. sure.
2: It was basically C.I., Rusty, and Linden, you know? They all yeah. three were really rocking it, and, uh, you know, that was the... Uh, it was incredible. Yeah, there's a lot of good surfers. A lot of talent.
0: Were wow. you guys doing? Were you, do, you know, those workouts or you're saying you're training and heats? Were you guys doing any other like, like exercising to like cross cross train back then? Not to yet. Surf a lot. No, but uh, the and I don't know who came up with the idea, but what Gary had us do
2: is you would paddle out into your 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 workout session or your kind of your heat. Yep. And you got to remember, this is when PT and Ian started the NSSA, and it was four to the beach. Oof. And it didn't matter if you, if it was a closeout. You did your one big turn, and then you rode that thing to the beach, milk and the soup. So um, it was brutal. So we would have to ride the wave all the way in, and if we fell, we had to come in, run up the beach and around a little buoy, or not a buoy but like a cone, yep. and head back out. So that yeah. was it was the, to encourage you to finish the wave and then to uh, work on, on your endurance and your, uh, your your speed and agility at the same time.
1: So, so were you focused on being a, a pro surfer? Did you um, did you finish high school and think about college, or you just went straight? Into- no,
2: a- actually, um, high school years were a bit um, different for me. I I, uh, I ended up dropping out of high school and going on the tour. Actually, I take that back. I did drop out of high school uh, right before my senior year. I was working two jobs and just trying to get by. I, I, my high school years were a mixed bag of, of uh, living in different er- places with different people, getting involved in drugs and drinking. and um, Yeah, so I, I kind of thought that the pro tour thing wasn't going to happen for me when that part of my life was going on. Wow. And uh, so for it to come back together the way it did when I, by the time I was 19 – um, I'd stopped the drugs and the parting and stuff. And it was like, I just found this focus and this determination. It's like, I'm not going to, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to make yeah. something and, uh, you know, turn it around and got going from there.
1: Yeah. Cause, Cause you had the talent already for, for two, two things there. You're a pro at 15 for bodyboarding and you know, you're already starting to, surf really well and doing well in contests. So it's, it's a shame when drugs and alcohol get in, in the mix and cloud yeah, your.
2: Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, that's why I didn't really do the NSSA thing. Mm. Um, you know, broken family living in a foster home for part of the time and, and then just, you know, a lot of drugs. So I was very fortunate that, uh, I was able to get away from that. Yeah. Not, not everybody does and uh survive it and uh and to still have a shot the way that i did yeah yeah
0: it seems like surfing you know is kind of you know a saving grace for a lot of people you know not not like you said not for everybody you know some people can't climb out of those dark holes and you know those uh bad turns but for the most part you know we get a lot of guests and stuff that have, you know, gone through similar situations and they just found their passion for surf and love of the ocean and, you know, got themselves clean. And, and that's their, that's
1: what That's keeps essentially them focused. their,
0: yeah, keeps them focused or that's their AA. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I, you know, to this day, it, it's what keeps me passionate and focused and, you know, it's, I don't, I'm still on a shortboard because I still love the challenge yes.
1: yeah
2: trying to surf Uh, Progressively, not in, but you know, just trying to keep it on edge and stay as uh, flexible and youthful as possible. But yeah, surfing has definitely been a saving grace throughout my entire life. I know it has been for a lot of people. Sports tend to give people focus that maybe don't have it. Yeah, and uh, they a little bit of talent, and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, you know they they get they could kind of feed that. Whatever it is, you know, they're, they're, you know, people are telling them, hey, you're doing great, you're good, all this, you know, and they'll feed off of that and, and you know, it works out for some people for sure. So, yeah. that,
1: so that was at 19 years old where you turned it around? Yeah, by ni- I was 19 when I won the
2: stubbies and I'd art. So for about a year before that, I'd probably been doing really well in the pro-ams locally around here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, right up until uh, I was about 18, uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, there was the eighties, cocaine, yeah. uh, uh, pot and pills, you name it. it yeah. You know, it was, it was, that was the eighties.
1: <laughs> You're lucky you made I, it through <laughs> it. I
0: I think it's still around today. <laughs> don't don't think it disappeared, nope. man. I, I think there's a lot of uh, people struggling or, or, or indulging, you know? Oh, no doubt.
2: And now there's just so many more choices and it's so much, some of it's so much more deadly and, yeah. Yeah, I mean you know, you can quit and still never recover from drugs nowadays. Yeah.
1: So, so you won the contest stubbies, you went to Australia. So you, you were on the ASP tour, what? 83,
2: 84. Yep. That was my first year. I I missed probably missed uh, half the tour picked up. I went to, I think I went to Atlantic city first for the pro event there and then to Australia I, so I was able to get in the final half of the year, which helped because it allowed me to get a, a relatively, you know, middle of the pack seating for the final year or for the next year. Yeah. So I think I, I think I finished 46th
0: that year doing about half of the events.
1: Wow. That's damn And, then, and, good.
0: What, and then, it was what was a cutoff? It was still the 16. So they, you yeah. know, trials. Actually, what they did, it was they had the sixteen. The next year they added the,
2: uh, the second group of 16, so 32 guys. Um, so that next year I, after finishing 46, I did all of the events Yeah, and that's the year I jumped up to 17th, uh, yeah, on the rankings and. Barely missed the top 16 spot thanks to Tom Kern taking me down in the last event.
0: <laughs> that kook! Just kidding. <laughs>
2: yeah, and and then he went on to win his first world title. That was at the Rip Curl Bells event, the famous Aki Kern heat. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I was. Uh, he and I had a uh, uh, early round of the main event man on man heat. I had him. I think I had him most of the way and it was was kind of a cloudy sloppy day and he's sitting out there with priority and the sun split the sky and the wind stopped and (laughs) he got six six foot foot on his waves foot day showed up and he and he beats me on the last wave and wins the event and uh his uh first world title
1: oh my gosh so your first full year on tour where what were the countries like japan Oh yeah. South Africa, Australia,
2: Europe. we, uh, we did, I think Japan twice a year. Uh, we went to South Africa. Uh, Jay Bay was off the tour that year. We did the Bay of plenty Durban, mm. uh, up there. Um, Australia twice. Uh, of course the East coast. Gosh, we went to Israel, I think that year or the next year for a specialty event. Huh? So, Amazing. Yeah, so those were the main continents that we visited.
1: So so but, uh, that great. first full oh. year, you, you ended up 17th, you said? That's correct. Yeah. Tom Curran yeah. beat you uh, in the last heat of the year to, to drop you to, to number 17 instead of 16?
2: Actually, it didn't drop me. I, was, I think I was 18th or 19th, but I had to beat him to jump to 16th spot. Oh, okay. And uh, – and it didn't happen. Yeah. So, 17 I always thought it was eighteenth, but I I found a. I thought I finished eighteenth, but I found a copy of the rankings somewhere, and it said seventeenth. I don't know. Maybe it was. So I,
0: one but of the it was close. Yeah. What 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 events did you place well that that first year going going to you know going overseas? I got fifth at the,
2: uh, one of the events. Oh, the Renaults was Renault Sport at the Bay of Plenty uh him in, in the quarterfinals. No, actually I got th- I got third. I beat Aki in the quarters and then lost to Barton Lynch. I uh, did well in Australia. I got 5th at the uh, Stubbies. Beat uh uh Mark Richards on my ninth ber- 19th birthday. He was the reigning uh champ as well.
1: Wow.
0: Yeah. Um gosh, so well. I- so you had, you know, you know, great success making quarters and semis the first year, you know, traveling.
2: Yeah, and I only did two full years. I did the next year, um, and that was when uh, uh, I started having kids and the Bud Tour started. So I decided to stay home and and raise kids. I would I would go over to like Hawaii and Japan and do periodic events in different places. But heck, the Bud Tour just took off, and there was money to be made, and could be at home with the kids and family. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so that was that worked out pretty good. You know, part of me wishes I would have done more of the World Tour. Yeah, You always want to, you know, you kind of like, oh, my gosh, I think I could have done something. But, you know, those are choices you make and you live with them and you move on.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Never regret it. Right. Um, so wait, I want to I just want to kind of step back. I mean, you and like current and, and girl, like all these guys, you know, you inspired, you know, from the Richards, from Sean Thompson, from you know, all the mm-hmm. all the you know guys before you. What videos and like? How did you guys, you know, fine tune your styles? There wasn't a lot of surf movies. There's not like the, the information the kids have today. There was no mom and dad on the beach with the video camera. Like, oh, hell
2: no. they, you know, we would go to the every once a year or twice a year. They'd have a, a a movie screening of a a surf movie, and you'd go see it at a theater. There was no va, you know, there was no movies or anything uh, like we have social media now. Yeah. Um. My style was pretty rough early on. I mean, it was very rough, to say the least. And I remember getting on the tour, being around the best surfers in the world, and just going, oh my God, these guys are incredible. Yeah. And I started noticing different things. There were some tech things technically that they were doing that I'm like, wait a minute, that makes sense when they put their arms in that direction. the f- The board and everything follows, and you get more follow-through on your turns, and you know, I just started kind of picking up on things and um, seeing things and going, if I'm going to make it, I got to get better. So then I'd come home and I bought a video camera and I, anybody who was willing, I'd get them on the beach to video. Yeah. And then I'd just study it and then I'd go back out and I was able to transform uh, my style from being just crazy erratic and probably hard to watch <laughs> to something uh, a little smoother with some flow and uh uh but it you know it took a lot of work and yeah and have the advance of all the videos like nowadays you just once you got immersed in that though
0: you you either adapted and figured it out or you just got left behind yeah this guys cool. that's cool yeah i mean I, I always always wondered you know like because there wasn't a ton of surf movies and unless you know you're watching these guys every day but like you said you know when you got on tour. Just to be able to understand and watch and critique and then apply it is awesome.
2: Yep. And then the change of uh, design as well went from, uh, I'm so old I started on a single fin. (laughs) (laughs) There were single fins and then um, the quad, I was riding a quad in the stubbies event when I won. And uh, and then the thruster, Simon came out with the thruster and uh, I got one of those and that helped. That really helped with the styles writing riding a thruster.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah. so I like so, it. So when, what year did the Bud Tour start then?
2: I would say uh, maybe oh. 85.
1: Really? That 30, early, yeah. huh?
2: I think that Joey had retired from the ASP, finished seventh and quit, started the Bud Tour. I think Bam Bam won it that year, the first year.
1: Yeah, I think you're right.
2: I think... Did Cruickshank win at the next year? 86, maybe? I can't remember, but I did enough events when I was at home to where I would be seated. And so the year I draw, I stopped and came home and did it full time was 87. Okay. So I did a, a spot, and that was the year I, yeah, that was the beginning of the three year run.
1: That's amazing. So um, where were the, in 87, do you remember where the, the uh, contests were held? Oh,
2: yeah. We had events. Uh, there was one at C Street. There were some in uh, the South Bay, like Manhattan Beach.
1: Ugh, terrible.
2: Yep. Uh, Oceanside. There were events at Seaside. Texas. No way. Monterey, Texas. Um, gosh, I don't remember if it was... One of the three years we were, you know, there was the OPE at Sebastian Inlet. That okay. was, I know that one was 89. Um, they had that great swell. And uh, there was this kid you might have heard of coming up at the time from that area. Yeah. Uh,
0: Robert? Robert?
2: Somebody? Robert Kelly Slater or something? <laughs> yeah, he actually did. <laughs> it was uh, him and uh, the young... <laughs> Who was that other young hot kid, Shane Benson. I'm
1: oh saying. yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: so you had all these hot young kids coming up uh, while while that was going on, and uh, yeah, they had events in Hawaii. You know, so they were starting to expand every year. They were adding adding events to different places.
1: How, how many uh, contests did you win that year? That first year, well, the,
2: the first year I won one event, but I made eight finals. Oh wow! What, what?
1: Mister Consistent?
2: I, second place to save my life. Oh. Uh, it was brutal.
1: Hey, at least uh, you won one, right?
2: Right. Yeah, that was that was it. You know, who kept killing me was
0: uh, Jim Hogan.
1: Oh my god! Yeah, he
0: dominated him and Snips were like super consistent. Even Dino, those three were just I, nonstop winning. Well, I, then the, the next two years, it was Dino. That's who got yeah. second years.
2: Um, but I, yeah, I won more events probably won three or four then the next year and then the final year i won i won three events nice uh, including the uh the op east event at sebastian inlet
1: so so who were your uh who, who did you hate having to compete against who was the most ruthless and cutthroat during that jim, time
2: jim hogan was a, <laughs> that guy wanted it as much as anybody i'd ever met he was a machine um he, yeah, he was fit. He was aggressive. He was consistent. Parsons drove me crazy because he was so technically perfect that if you made an error, you were done. Right. You know, just you screw up, it's over. He, uh, he he's not gonna he's not gonna make the mistake. But you know, there was a lot of good guys. There was, of course, Dino and Dino. Um, uh, you had Charlie Kuhn came back and started doing the tour after a while. Richie Rudolph. Of course, Shane Besson and all that young crew coming up at the time was spending a lot of time there. Um, so you know there was a lot of a lot of competition, but I'd have to say uh, Hogan was the guy that drove me the most nuts. Wow, yeah. I, I wouldn't
1: uh, I wouldn't have thought that at all.
0: Little little Mighty Mouse man, yeah. that guy he have you, you guys seen him lately? No.
1: Is he down in Costa? Yeah,
2: he, he's uh, probably in better shape than he's ever been. Surfing better than he's ever surfed in his life, and he's fifty-six. It's incredible.
1: That's awesome.
2: I'm on I on Instagram and it's like, oh my gosh, how do you
0: do it? That's epic. Yeah, I see. I was down there a couple months ago. I saw T.R. Tony Roberts. Same thing. Just like they're in the water all day, just ripping. It must be nice. So, all day, <laughs> tropical water.
1: So, do you remember being filmed in any any videos? Yeah, I was in uh, Beyond Blazing
2: Boards, Surfer, <sighs> um, little probably just little clips here and there. Yeah. Um,
1: gosh. Rem- refresh my mind on uh, what part in uh, Beyond Blazing Boards.
2: Okay, so in Beyond Blazing Boards, they showed the stubbies in Australia. Got it. And that event was a uh, – the surf was really good. Tom, uh, Carol, and Sean were battling out for the title, and uh, I came up against Sean in the round of ninth, ninth place in perfect burly heads. to beat him and knock him out of the title. And that was, they did a clip, not on me, but they had a wave of me in there when they were showing all the different uh, highlights from that event because the waves were pretty epic. Yeah. Such a good wave. Oh, so good.
1: That's awesome. So then when did you stop doing the Bud Tour?
2: Well, uh, so that was probably about 91. I took a job at Surfer Magazine. So then the Bud Tour became more of a, I would do the events that fit in my schedule. Yeah. So I started as a rep at Surfer before ending up at ASR a few years later. I kept doing the events through the first half of the 90s. And I'd say by, uh, 98, 97, 98, I probably completely retired from doing events.
1: Okay. So, so while you were competing in the Bud Tours, was that, um, your only occupation, your only job?
2: It was for a few years. Absolutely. I made good money. Um, but then there was once I had my third, we had our third child, um, out of nowhere, someone approached me and said, "Hey, would you be interested in a sales job at Surfer Magazine?" And I was not even thinking yet about retiring and making six figures, low six, fig- six figures. Yeah. And I thought, you know, this might not this opportunity for a job that can last beyond just how good I served. Yeah. Um, might not come along again, or who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. And with three young kids, I'm like, I'm going to take it. I'm going to learn another skill because I didn't learn, I didn't finish high school. Yeah. Um, but there I was able to learn how to use a computer. Got you know, learn how to sell ads. Had some really good mentorship there, and found out I was pretty good at business and sales and things. And
0: uh, that was uh, that was the next phase. Yeah. Yeah. Did you did you have other um, other surfers that? Along the same lines, where they dropped off and got other jobs, or, or got jobs in the industry, was there was there more opportunity in the industry for for jobs, or was it kind of slim pickings?
2: It was kind of slim pickings. I think is why I decided to take it. Yeah, clothing companies were starting to get bigger, you know. So there was guys who were like, okay, when I when I'm done, I'm going to be able to be a team coach or do more or become a rep, uh, which I dabbled in. <laughs> um, I just felt like that job a better opportunity because it was so central to the entire industry.
1: Yeah.
2: thing kind of not revolves around the magazine, but it's got its fingers everywhere. Advertising, events, marketing, editorial, yeah. learn a lot. You learn a lot in that, in that situation.
1: Who, who approached you? Was it, um, Steve, it was actually, actually or
2: no, I think it was Debbie Beecham.
1: Oh, wow. Somebody
2: was – she might have been retiring, and I might have gotten her spot. Got it. Uh-huh. She was the ad rep for, uh, of course, most of California and part of Hawaii. Pesman was on his way out. He was there when I got there, but Cordova was the new publisher, and Pesman was about to go start the Surfer's Journal. Hapak was the editor.
1: Okay, yeah.
2: Uh, David Carson did the redesign when I was there. I don't yeah. know if you got that.
1: Oh, yeah, um, he – he revolutionized the uh, the magazine,
2: right? Yeah, he put a, he put a new edge to it. He, he made it fresher, and um, it was pretty more. controversial at the time. Yeah, yeah,
0: more. Ty- go, that's when they went like more youth for sure.
2: Yep, and a lot of the uh, older guys hated it, but uh, and when it was all said and done, it worked out. Well, they had to be different from Surfer, you know. They had to
0: kind of differentiate the two.
2: Yeah, surfing was already the youthful one. Yeah we were called the bible and well we know where they are now they're one and the
0: same yeah yeah <laughs> so crazy yeah
1: so so that was your uh transition into the industry was surfer magazine
2: Yep, yeah, that was it that was my first gig and i did that for probably almost three years
1: nice
0: were you yep. doing any commentating at some of the uh the psas or the bud tours
2: I would commentate. Gosh, even when I was on the world tour, I would jump up and commentate a little bit. Yeah, and um, I started working when I was at Surfer. I did Surfer TV, Magazine TV for a year or two, and then I worked with Dynacom and PT um, and David Danfield and did a bunch of the ESPN shows.
1: Yeah,
2: the, like the Triple Crown. Yeah, it's around here. So yeah, I did that for years
0: cool and then speaking of hawaii did, did you compete over there as well i'm sure
2: well it's an interesting time you know they had the okay so i went to hawaii in 82 that was my first year on the north shore i was there for a couple months but that was the year they boycotted um i don't know if you guys remember that but the hawaiian events were not rated if you surfed in them, you would lose all your points, your seating. And that was a year Dan Kiloha said, up yours and surfed the events. Lost his seating and was off the tour. So
1: ah.
2: a lot of politics going on between the ASP and um, uh, and the Triple Crown group. So we were over there. I did, the, I did the pro class trials. And that was when they moved. Like they would move them around to different spots. And uh, did a backdoor shootout one year. Surf, I surfed a few of the events, like the next year or the year after. Yeah. Never did really well. Um, the only well, I mean, I, I really enjoyed Hawaii and surf, surfed as much as I could. The only event I really did well in is I won the, the Bud Tour event at um, at Pipe one year, but it was springtime Pipe. It was pretty small. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Todd Chester came in. Bashin and Tony Moniz were in the final. But, yeah, that was probably, no, that was 91. That was 91. Crazy. Sick.
1: Did did you surf the uh, the lowers event that uh, Kelly won?
2: I did. I um, gosh, I think I lost in the first or second heat. I surfed. Oh man. Well, we were in Kittery early on,
1: and
2: uh, it was one of those things where you, if you got it on that day at high tide, you know how that can be.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, Trained out. Just wait, wait, wait. Nothing comes in. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if I got my out That that tough and then the waves got incredible and of course he uh, he, so, made, he changed surfing right then and there
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: he definitely made it he brought in a new era
1: yeah it's a trip because you had like two like younger forward surfing guys right kelly shane uh shane shane stoneman no,
2: you had Shane Beshin, you had Shane Dorian, you had Rob Machado, uh, Ross Williams,
0: Chris ben Brown. You had, had, you had Pat that O'Connell. Crew. Those
2: guys were. Uh, they they were the shift. Or it's funny because it went from the you know the busting down the door crew, Sean yeah. and those guys, and then kind of the current era came, which I was a part of the current era.
1: Yeah,
2: and uh, but the big movement was definitely the Momentum Generation. That yeah. was the big seismic shift in performance surfing right there.
1: Yeah. But I was talking about that contest that Kelly won um, in that final was you had Bud Lamas, uh Bud Llamas. Charlie Coon.
2: And Chris Brown.
1: Chris Brown, that's it. Not Shane Stolman. Yep,
2: yeah. yeah, Rap Brown Brown.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Rest yep, in Peace. Yep. yep, that was a heavy that was a heavy final and he was surfing pretty darn good. I mean yeah. he Chris Brown, I mean he he was incredible as well.
1: Yeah. So so you retired would you say like late 90s surfing? Well, probably I probably
2: you know it was like a semi retirement in the early 90s when I took my job at Surfer, but full on retirement I probably stopped surfing contests in yeah, about the, the late 90s it yeah. was
0: done. When when and, the uh,
2: the US tour uh, faded away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had I think the QS they, they brought the qs into play in the late 80s early 90s I think it was the late 80s and uh, that was when they first started what they became the wqs and uh, I got second I guess on the qs rankings that year and then I was kind of done I was it was I was moving into the other direction of doing business and work and stuff and then I guess I I kind of drifted away for a little bit. They, then that's when the Dream Tour started a couple of years later.
1: Yeah. So what uh, what what would you do after Surfer Magazine?
2: I went to ASR. Okay. Action Sports Retailer. I went there as the sales uh, the sales manager for all the shows, and then as the publisher for the magazine. And we we launched Surf Business, um, the first ever Surf Business while I was there which eventually I think got picked up by Transworld. They did that a few yep. years ago. Uh, I
1: love that magazine. The yeah. Transworld Surf Business magazine was really cool. Yeah.
2: Yep, uh, that was a concept of ours at ASR, but ASR didn't quite keep it going, and uh, Transworld did a great job of picking it up. Yeah. But I, was, I was with them. I was with Surfer a few years, ASR a few years, and then um, a small group, about four or five of us, got the license for uh, CI and uh, took a shot at the Channel Islands apparel accessories and all that for a few years but uh that didn't work out it was that's that's a tough business yeah better
0: know what you're doing I'll tell you yeah you can't have leashes snapping. you can't have traction falling off you got to have like you know good supply chain yep everything has to be dialed
2: in and and uh yeah that's a tough one that's that's Clothing is not for the uh, faint of heart. That's yeah. a tough one.
1: Well, you got so much more competition, right? Each year you, you, you add five or six more brands to the mix.
2: Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it was one of those things with Al's name. It was just like, this should be easy. Yeah. Right. Right. But um, the truth of the matter is, is nothing's easy in that industry. Yeah. And if you're not equipped, if you're not set up properly, if you don't have the right expertise, which I did not have. Uh, you don't have enough money. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. I can't even fathom what it's like today. Oh, no. Yeah, I can't even imagine what it's like today. There are, are there even small
0: companies anymore? I don't know how <laughs> they pull it because an account will be like, oh, that looks like a great product or whatever. How about ne- never? And you just <laughs> give it to me. And if I sell it, then I might cut you a check. Right. It's like It's like, what? <laughs> it, you with the surfboards now? Oh. It,
2: in the surf shops, I mean, I, I've kind of the, a lot of consignment and stuff too. In those, it's
1: yeah, yeah. It's, it's, pretty, it's cra- it, you know. The the environment and the competitive landscape is so different, you know. Uh,
2: plus, now you have the you know the access to doing things globally. Yeah, you know, where it's not just the backyard. It's boards and clothing and things can be made and shipped from anywhere. Yeah. So it changed the whole dynamic. And then you have the old school group that, you know, of course, we want our boards made here and everything. And you have a whole group, a generation of kids coming up who they won't care. You know, they don't care. They're going to be they're going to be the market in five or 10 years when they hit 20. And they're not going to know any difference. So it's a big shift. And uh, I don't know if it's good or bad, but it's definitely taking place.
0: Yeah, Yeah, time will tell. I feel like you know a lot of people are you know, especially younger generations, feel like they you know want to support you know a a cleaner product, a a local product, but you know at the end of the day, it's performance and price that dictate you know the market. So, um, you know, you got to have all those uh, lined up. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
1: So what are you doing? uh, What What are you doing these days, Slam Breezy?
2: Well, I'll tell you, I left, when I left, uh, gosh, it was 2000 when the CI thing finally just, it, it wasn't going to make it, and uh, I was going through a divorce, kids were 10, 12, 10, 9, 10, 11, and a friend of mine said, what are you going to do? And I go, I don't know. He said, come with me and sell cars for a little while. Oh, wow. Till you figure it out. He goes, you'll make some money, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm going to go from being a surf star to being a freaking car salesman. Are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) I tried it, and it was devastating on the ego, I'll tell you. But I stuck it out, and I found a niche, and I've been a sales manager for 10 or 11 years at a store in Carlsbad now. Epic. Awesome. Yes. Which
1: which dealership?
2: Well, it started as Westlow Chevrolet. And uh, we brought in Kia about 10 years ago. And so now we have Kia and Chevrolet. I work on the Kia side, just manage the sales and oversee a staff and, you know, try to keep everybody on point and focused and try to do their job the best they can. And, uh, yeah, it's a,
0: it's a it's a different world, I'll tell you. Yeah. Lear, lear, learning curve on, on the traditional – sales or the sales you're doing at the mag compared to car different wow well (laughs) you know
2: when you're selling a magazine you're just selling a concept right here if you put your ad in this thing you're you you won't you won't know if you got the results but you better do it because everybody
0: it does i got five other guys that want this space but i'm going to give it to you because you're right here right now you're my boy (laughs) <laughs> right? But at,
2: but at the end of the day, it does garner results. You need that. Yeah. But when you're doing something like cars, I mean, it's a tangible item and, uh, it's a big ticket item. So people are, they don't want to part with their hard earned money, um, without trusting you and, and, uh, feeling like you're giving them, Victim. Uh, the right. there's a lot of things like in anything you sell. you know, you just have to, you got to build trust, earn trust. And then, um, and then um, give them value for their dollar. So, Dude,
1: just, you're a salesman.
2: I love it. <laughs> well, oh, it's funny because I kind of hate
0: sales. <laughs> I'm not a real it's, 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 it's cool when you, when you get the satisfaction and you see somebody at the end of the deal and they're stoked yeah. or whatever, but then when you got to talk to your manager and you got to wait, how many deals do I have to do this week? You're making me what? My, my goal is what? And then it gets all That's his out. job
1: now set all that up though.
0: <laughs> right. But I mean, you know, a salesperson, you always think of
2: somebody who's extremely outgoing and very social. Yeah. You know, like that social
0: butterfly. Well, Like me and Lyndon. Social. <laughs> right, exactly.
2: And I kind of thought that was me early in my life, but I, it comes to find out I'm a loner. I don't like being around a lot of people. Um, I'm not real talkative for the most part. You know, I'm pretty low key and my wife and I have a pretty simple life. And um, so it kind of goes against my nature, but I'm good at it. Yeah. Found out that there's a lot of good salespeople who are not that type of personality. <laughs> you know, they go home at the end of the day and they've used up everything they got and they yeah. just got to and recover. And, uh, so <laughs> but it, it provided for me and my family. It's been good to me and I'm grateful for it.
1: So how has it been during COVID during lockdown? What, um, how, how well, do you guys do business?
2: Well, the, uh, the service and part side was considered essential. Got it. So that never shut down. The sales side, what they did is they said, it's it, we don't know if it's going to be essential or not, but under these certain guidelines, you guys can stay open. And that was, you know, it was just managers. There was no staff or anything. And people, you know, people have a lease that ends. People crash their car. They're going to need transportation. Yeah. So, but all online, and everything was done online, and then you would have a delivery point. And then a little at a time, they started opening up the guidelines and made it essential. So we have a, we're probably at about 30%, 40% staff now, um, from being down to like 15 or 20%, maybe 40%. Yeah. Uh, but it's definitely changed the dynamic of everything, um, it's changing our world. Uh, yeah, it's not, I don't think things are going to go back to the way they were before. Unfortunately, this is a mess. Yeah, it's a mess. I'm. Uh, yeah, I don't know if politics is a good subject, but yeah. Nope. I'm not, I'm, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: well, we're, we're, we're sales drafts. We're ready for things to, to get open.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I think things should be open, and there's no reason why we can't practice the same safety measures no matter where we go whatever kind of store it is yeah and, yeah
1: it's crazy I mean, how essential walmart target costco home depot, home depot. depot.
2: All, all the big boys they're yeah. all allowed to stay open yeah and it, the mom who can't afford to be shut down and can't get through a season without having a good season i mean yeah. this is waiting for them yeah. and then, you know, we're calling people and saying, hey, congratulations. I got good news for you. You could come back to work tomorrow.
1: That's awesome. To yeah. They're saying no. Because they're getting paid.
2: $4,000 a month to sit on my butt and do nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Wait Why would I want to come back to work right now?
0: Yeah. It's, yeah. I've ever seen in my life. It's crazy. It, it's crazy. I was just um, at a surf shop yesterday just asking the store manager because the surf shops open, you know, most of them around here. About a week ago week and a half ago and i'm like hey how is business good and you know talking shop i'm like who's shopping you know is it tourists is it locals? is a little bit of everybody but it's it's funny a lot of uh, a lot of people using their ebt cards and i'm like really yeah so, um yeah. a lot of a lot of those going to non-essential you know uh products oh it's yeah interesting yep
1: i just yeah. uh I just saw an article, you know, you've heard of Shop, Eat Surf.
2: Mike. Yes, I have.
1: So they, they put out a, uh, a little um, story today and they interviewed Surf Ride, Hanson's, a couple different other shops and they're saying, you know, thankfully business has been super strong but, you know, everyone's using that that card and spending their stimulus checks for sure.
0: Yeah. So. Hey, at least they're spinning it at our at our retailers. Yeah, you know? yeah. keep them alive. Yep, yeah. but those are going to go away. I,
2: I mean, I you know they're going to go away. We're going to have a a plethora of I mean, just a glutton of people looking for jobs, and there's going to be less jobs available. Yeah, it's going to be for sure,
1: fun, buddy. So let's go back to surfing. Yeah. Let's <laughs> yes. That's so fun. So you are you riding uh, lit, Gary Linden's boards again, or what do you ride now?
2: No, I um right at this exact moment I've been writing boards. Uh, they're called Vulcan V-U-L-C-A-N. Oh yeah, Dane Hans. Yeah, and uh, I've been riding his boards for a couple years. Um, the guy's a master craftsman. Yeah, amazing. He's he's taken a you know he's going through some stuff now. I think Vulcan's kind of uh, he's taking a little break. Um, I actually uh, having a board um, done by David Barr. Sick. I'm gonna nice. get a, a bar. It's been a few years. I'm uh, gonna try one of his out. We're we're still buddies, and he's a great shaper. So I, st- I have. fun. I'm riding a lot of different boards. I've got my standard thrusters, five eight, five nine, and some quad fish type boards, and some blunt nose boards. I mean, it's a it's a great time to experiment with surfboards and. It's a lot of fun to ride different equipment and keep yourself fresh.
1: I I actually surfed with David Barr out in Nicaragua. Oh my uh, god! A couple of years ago, and he was making. Is does he have a label like Octopus or something like that? Yeah,
2: yeah, he's got the shapeshifter thing with shapeshifter. Ta- yeah, they uh, take the tail off and change the tails. They're yeah, like FCS plug where you just stick it in and
0: yeah. Did you see? Uh, did you hear about that, Larson? I, I've seen them. I didn't know that was his brand yeah. or, or he was associated with that. But I, I did see a couple of those and I was super curious on how those um, – You can have a
1: swallowtail and a pintail and a roundtail with Ace one
2: – one- There's like seven tails and yeah, he designed that. He came up with that theory and that concept and uh, it, it's super interesting and cool, but it has definitely not got traction in the surf industry at all.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, I'm sure.
0: Surfers are, I mean, traditionally non gimmicky. I mean, there's been, you know, not that that's a gimmick, but, you know, there's been stuff throughout the industry over the, you know, decades where, you know, you think it's going to stick and it just doesn't. Or, you know, you look at Shane Haran's fan or you look at, like, I don't know, now you're looking at um, the little nubs that they're putting on the bottom of the board. Uh, I don't know the brand, the company, but supposed to create more speed. Yeah. Okay. What is it? It's like these little um, little nubs that you put on towards, like, the tail to help, like, direct flow between the fin. I don't know. It's Kai, Kai Lenny
1: posted that, right?
0: That's right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, kind of like a channel?
2: Isn't that what it's a like,
1: channel is? Yeah, but... Essentially, They're like yeah. little dimples. So think golf ball, right? Like, this, oh, they, they fly right? ho- faster, longer because of the dimples. And I think those... Is that what you're talking about, Lar?
0: Yeah. yeah. I don't... I don't. I'm, I mean, I've never seen it up close and personal. Just what I've seen on on like Instagram or like a video. So I don't really know up close. But yeah, it looks looks interesting. Yep, there's all stuff out there.
1: So Slam Breezy, are you yeah. are you jumping back in the competitive scene, Grandmaster?
2: Uh, you know.
1: <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I, no, don't, don't answer that yet. Are you part of the uh, West Coast Borders? Boardwriters Club, Carlsbad, Boardwriters Club?
2: Oceanside. Oceanside! Oceanside. Yeah, I live in Carlsbad, but I'm an Oceanside boy. Okay. I actually only did one event. So last year, uh, Chewy was going out of town. He said, hey, come on, just fill my spot for me. Yeah. It was at churches. Nice. And I went up there. I hadn't surfed the heat in many years, and uh, the surf was really good, and I just choked.
1: Yeah. I sure. so
2: I was so nervous. My first wave I uh the guy on one of the other teams thought he still had priority. He lost it paddling for a wave. So I'm got priority, I take off and he hops me thinking it's his wave. <laughs> it just threw me off. And then I remember sitting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And then it's like, okay, I gotta go in, otherwise the rest of my team's not gonna get any waves. I left that place so devastated. <laughs> oh my god. Gosh, what a kook! And uh, I haven't done one since.
1: Well, when when this is over and they start doing these again, you have to jump back in.
2: There's a good chance I will. Yeah. You know, I've always kind of dreamt of doing the Masters event, uh, the World Masters.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh,
2: I just don't know how the heck you go about it. It's like, oh my gosh, there's guys in those events that I was rated higher than. What do I? What do I got to do? I mean, it's really, it's kind of. Confusing. I don't know. Um, maybe someday, though. You never know.
1: Yeah. Well, let's. Yeah, we'll we'll try to get you one of those heritage heats, right? Love yeah. It. I
0: don't know. Start. We'll start a petition for sure. We, you, we you gotta just maybe. Uh, we interviewed typo some, some in, in, Instagram posts. Some I don't know posts. about. I don't know about a heritage heat. That's
2: down in front of all the 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 WCT crowd. That's a little bit too much. Well, you were you were
1: part of the <laughs> ASP, so
2: they have the word masters every year for the old guys and they're all together and they, you know you can hide out with those guys.
0: <laughs> we're gonna throw you and current out at, at bells or, or uh burley come on
2: oh yeah just what i want to do is get smoked by <laughs> one of the best <laughs> that ever walked <laughs>
1: hey you might it's surprise your- the
2: first time either
1: you might surprise yourself and surprise the world dude come on
2: uh well i definitely would have fun doing it but uh, he is uh I've lost to him twice. That might be enough for me.
1: <laughs> well, shoot, man. Uh, it's been an amazing conversation. It's yeah. great to catch up on, uh, you know, what you've done in, 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 uh, in the pro surfing career and what you're doing now. Uh, I, I, we follow you on Instagram and, and we see you freaking still killing it and, you know, no erratic style, super smooth.
0: Super smooth.
1: <laughs> I, I wanted to touch base just
0: more on current events as well. But, like, you know, with the tour, you know, being off, unfortunately. But, you know, what what do you think about what these guys are doing now? Like, these, you know, top ten surfers are just, like, I mean, well, could you, <laughs> do you ever think you would see guys doing flips in, in, jer- with jerseys on? I didn't think I'd ever
2: see guys doing flips outside
0: <laughs> Uh, the notebook that I drew them on growing up. in <laughs>
2: um, You know, the surfing today is—it's beyond incredible. I mean, the the aerial acrobatics and the things that Italo's and Gabby's and those guys are doing is beyond comprehension. But uh, the thing that I enjoy the most because I watch the events—I'm a huge yeah. fan of the WSL events. I love watching the best guys surf good waves. Yep. Um, the carving. As long as they keep the carving in there, which they've done, yeah. Uh, love the above the lip stuff, but you, the carving is what really gets me. It's incredible. I mean, you watch Connor Coffin; oh. uh, he's he's doing carving maneuvers that are blowing blowing minds out there. And you know, of course, the John uh, Johns cars and Geordies and, car- and
0: Julian. I mean, they all have that rail game. It's just yeah. Yeah, without the rail
2: game to go with the rest of it, you're not you're not going to be in the top echelon. Um, but those guys, yeah, the combination between their rail game and their their aerial antics is beyond. And then their barrel riding. I mean, they I mean, they're surfing the barrel beyond what we imagined. Yeah. You
1: know. Isn't it crazy never- that Kelly's still in the mix?
2: <laughs> it is crazy. <laughs> um I to him keeping his body uh in shape. I mean, I know at almost forty eight, he's got aches and pains and issues. But imagine how much worse they w- would be if he didn't take care of himself the way he does. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Look at myself. You know, I, I've had to be behind a desk, and what that does to you, and you don't have the flexibility and agility that you once had. And his surfing is just as good, if not better, than it's ever
0: been. And he's,
1: guys,
0: it's it's. Yeah, it's he's really
1: still much. He's mind blowing. Yeah. yeah. Yep.
0: It's a, it's fun to watch. Do you do you do you, uh, do you play any fantasy uh, surf, surfer? Do you play like the, any of the, the gambling like the
2: WSL one? You know, yeah. a bunch of friends get together and do it. I kind of suck at it. <laughs> um, I
1: do too. <laughs> I,
2: I just it's like I pick my favorite surfers instead of who I think's gonna win or who might do well, and somebody who's a little less attached to the surfers the more analytical will beat me every time
0: yeah. right oh. there's a the
2: guy who doesn't even surf who wins our pool all the time
0: <laughs> yeah because he's analyzing like everything and you just like want your the guys you you respect and your fans of i want that guy to win the heat i don't care if he's not yeah. the best or right. at that spot i
2: try to be analytical and make a good decision but i'm still swayed by yeah my subconscious somehow I, yeah i just i can't do it i like it i have fun I love to talk
0: smack, but uh, I usually lose. <laughs> we, I, I, it makes, I mean, we love the, watching the WCL and the events too, but it just makes it so much sweeter when you have a man-on-man man and you can just talk crap to your guys oh, in your league.
2: <laughs> that was one of my favorite things on the tour. We'd sit in the uh, competitor's area and watch Eats and just talk shit the whole <laughs> It was so brutal. You're just like, oh my gosh, what I'm out there, what are they saying about me? Yeah. So when brutal. you
0: when you slip off a wave and you just know you're they're clowning you and the, and the competitors area just eats you. You make up. a
2: mental error, you know, you do something stupid and they're just like, What the hell are you doing? I mean, you know, it's it's brutal. You know, you've been there, you've listened to it. Oh, it's so hard. Good.
1: Who's uh who's really good at that?
2: Uh talking smack? Yeah. Oh gosh! Back then, I, nobody topped Gurlock. <laughs> <laughs> that, a walking, uh, a walking smack talking comedian.
0: Yeah, oh, so
1: good.
2: Yep, and I'll tell you who else was pretty, talked. To, who was pretty rough is uh, Dave Parmoner.
1: Oh wow, uh, yeah,
2: that guy's a wordsmith. He he could pull off a few good ones too.
0: So good. When was when was the last uh, surf trip you've been on?
2: Uh, geez, um, all local like Mexico trips. Nice. Okay. So my wife and I go down, not this year obviously, but we should go down about three or four times a year just locally. Uh, my son and some of his friends will go down to like Punta San Jose once a year. Um, yeah, I've been to Cabo a couple times in the last decade. Haven't been outside of that. I haven't been. Uh, I have been to Hawaii since probably 99. I went to Tabaruan, I think 98. I haven't done a lot of uh, huge surf trips in the last 20 years. Hi, sweetheart. <laughs> Speaking of my wife, there she went.
1: You've been to, to Indonesia? I have not. What?
2: I know, right? It's What a wave. That looks so good.
1: You
0: any good ways. I want to go to the Maldives, but it's probably pretty crowded. Yeah. But I think everywhere is crowded, but waves are so. Five waves there is worth like a hundred here. Yeah, it looks like it's a playground of surf. Um, yeah, I, th- I think Shane Dorian does some some trips there. You know where he he fills like some spots on a on an island or a boat or or something. Right. Yeah. A, a mutual friend of Danes I've met
2: online, Walter. Uh, he has a spot down. Is it Costa Rica? A camp down there. I'm going to try to get down there sometime here this year if I can.
1: Nice.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, if you ever go to Nicaragua, our, our good friends at Mark and Dave's, they have a, a suite setup right on the beach. And it's good. That, for, I want at the uh, playground. Yeah. It's good for here. like. It's no, like it's like a, a, iguanas. Yeah.
2: Oh, gotcha. OK. Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah.
0: Good for families. Good for, you know, just boys trip. Good for husband, wives, whatever, you know.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Dream and froth about getting on a good surf trip here again soon. It's been way too
0: long for me. Yeah. Uh, for us all, man, this lockdown's been killing us, but we're yep. ready.
1: It's over. But, we're done.
0: Lockdown. <laughs> uh, before the lockdown, there was
2: just everyday life and work and all the other stuff that gets in the way of surfing.
0: Nice. Well, dude, this has been epic. I mean, you had, you know, uh, an pretty awesome career i mean yeah you said you 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 hung it up a little bit to take a a a job in the industry just so you had something to fall back on and but you know the accomplishments you had in that short period of time is freaking phenomenal
2: it was a lot of fun i really look back on it and uh grateful for that and it basically set the course for my whole life and uh what a great opportunity to hook up with you two guys and and yeah i appreciate it
1: Thank you so much. I'm going to hit you up for uh, photos and clips if you have them.
2: You can, um, yeah, please do. And anything on my Facebook or Instagram, you just take whatever you want. Perfect. If you need an email to you, just let me know. I'll be happy to send it over.
1: Right on. Well, thank you, Mike Slam Breezy. This has been an yeah. honor and a privilege. Yeah. We'll see you out in the water, Oceanside.
0: Same here, guys. Let's Thanks. do it. Have a good one, dude. Thanks. All right. Talk it. Thank Bye. you.